This is the Hidden White Podcast, episode 700 with Paul Colliani. Enjoy. Welcome to the Hidden Wise 30-minute power segment. I am passionate about creating a lifestyle that minimizes suffering and regret. The purpose of life is not simply to survive, but to thrive, and I believe we do that by creating a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Each week, I'll be delivering a 30-minute conversation with a guest expert on a topic that they are knowledgeable and passionate about, with the purpose to inspire and educate us all. I don't have all the answers. I'm simply trying to figure life out. And through greater awareness and understanding, I can put into practice what I learned to further my life's progression. I can't give you your life's map. I can't show you the way, but I can assist you in discovering your why. I can help you define your life's compass to guide you purposefully to act on and pursue your life's desires. And from there, watch happiness ensue. My guests are the experts. They are the people I learn from. They provide the inspiration, education, and methodology that we can all benefit from in better navigating the ultimate life. Without further ado, let the show begin. Today's featured guest is Paul Colliani. The topic is relationships. Paul Colliani is a personal empowerment coach and wrote the book, The Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers. He is also the host of The Overwhelmed Brain podcast, a show that helps you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and develop healthy relationships. This is Paul's second time on the show, guys. He was a guest back in episode 286. Check it out at thehiddenwire.com. But for today, guys, we're talking about toxic relationships. You're going to love this conversation with Paul Colani. Enjoy. G'day, Paul, and welcome back to The Hidden Wire Podcast. How have you been? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me back, Lee. It's great to talk to you again. It's been some time. Episode 286 was our original conversation all around your book, uh, The Overwhelmed Brain. Right. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. Yep. How'd it go? How's the book? Book's doing well. Uh, it sells a few copies a week, so it, it's hanging in there. It's still going. Still going. You, know, you, get the, you get the influx at first, and then it slows down as people discover it. So it's doing well. Yeah, yeah. Nice one, man. You got something else uh, on the on the uh, radar? I do, actually. I I created something called the Mean Workbook, which is funny because that's what we're talking about today, the abusive, toxic, or... Um, unhealthy relationships we get into, and that's what the Mean Workbook's about. And I got another workbook on social anxiety coming up that's uh, going to be really helpful as well. So I've got different projects in the works. Cool, man. Well, look, that is the topic of the uh, conversation: uh, toxic relationships or relationships. So let's uh, delve into that. And just, I suppose, what I always like to do is connect it um, to yourself. Like, what what is the reason why this topic is important to you? And Perhaps even more so for the audience, like why why should we listen to you as far as you know getting some quality information about toxic relationships and obviously how to improve them? Oh my God, I think we could probably all relate to some sort of unhealthy or toxic relationship. I grew up in a dysfunctional household uh, with an alcoholic for about twenty years, and my mom my mom lasted another twenty years with that guy, so um, I came out of that relationship or family um, with a lot of dysfunctional behavior. So I took all these beliefs and perceptions and survival and coping mechanisms out of childhood into my adult life and my adult relationships and ruined just about all of them. I mean, you talk about toxic relationships. I was the toxic one in most of my relationships because of that. And so 
when my when I got married and then my marriage ended, I realized I, I got to change something about what's happening in my life. I got to get myself out of these dysfunctional situations and then own up to the fact that I am the one causing a lot of these problems. Hmm. And I I brought all this stuff from childhood and it just came to a realization that that's what I needed to do because I was the common denominator for all the, the breakdowns. So, you know, why listen to me? Well, I, the only thing I could say is that I've been through it and now I help others through it and it gets me to, um, it, it helps a lot of people out of their own behavior. I, I almost think it's not so much the toxic people in our life. It's what, how we respond to those toxic people and what we do to continue being in relationships or attracting relationships like that. So that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, cool. And you've got a heck of a story. Um, and I know in the last conversation, episode 286, you shared a lot of that. And in your book as well, you're quite open about your story. So just want to encourage the uh, readers to go and check that out. Um, but these toxic relationships, so are we sort of looking at people that are in toxic relationships or perhaps people like yourself that maybe are the common denominator of their relationships and have dysfunctional behaviors or beliefs and really upsetting their own, you know, relationships in life. And I'm sure I can relate on many levels there too. (laughs) Well, I look at it this way first. I think what happens in toxic relationships, which is basically a relationship that you feel like should be, it could be better. It could be like you feel um, belittled or small or hurt, or you're just unhappy more often than you're happy. And it, it can be toxic in a way that it keeps you down. And so I look at toxic relationships as the first step is to look at it as if the other person's causing it. I think that's what we all go through. It's like the other person is causing me to feel bad. And then when we do that, we can maybe list some of the things that they do. And so I look at it from this perspective of the, quote, victim of the toxic relationship and ask the victim, and I'm using quotes around that, uh, to look at the relationship and list everything that their partner's doing bad. But then do the flip side and, and ask yourself, what am I doing to contribute to the toxicity or the unhealthiness of this relationship. And it's helpful because what's going to happen is that you're going to look at the other person and go, no, it's all them. They're the problem. They're causing this. Absolutely. You know, a lot, mm. a lot of times we do that. Yeah. And I did that all, all my life and most of my relationships, um, to turn it around and go, okay, wait a minute, what am I doing to contribute? Well, I'm not, I'm not doing anything to contribute to this toxicity. Well, if I were doing something, what could it be? Or, like I was saying earlier, uh, how am I responding to this toxic behavior that allows it to continue in my life? What am I doing to con- allow it to continue in my life? Am I enabling it in some way, like when my partner gives a passive-aggressive ag- comment and I, d- I choose to ignore it instead of address it? And w- do we bury it under the rug? Do we sweep it? And I look at that and think, okay, that might be toxic behavior too because I'm not addressing the issue. Oh, yeah, but it'll cause you know, strife in the relationship, it'll cause an argument. Well, it might need to, in order for you to talk about it and express it. So twofold real quick answer to your question is I like to look at the other person first. What are they doing? And then I look at myself, what am I doing? Because then you figure out after I've done my analysis of them, what am I doing as well to 
all play, you know, take the role, take the responsibility for the role you play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We'll delve into um, some of those ways that we can do that um, in, a, sure. in a conducive manner. But the, you said something earlier that, um, you know, looking at those relationships in our lives and where you feel, I suppose, more bad than good in those situations or relationships, that's when yeah. you might need to question the health of the relationship. Is that, is that correct? I totally agree with that. I, in fact, I look at trends. If you can look at your relationship, the last, say, five years of your relationship, and you know that line that either goes up and to the right or down and to the right or steady to show profit and loss, um, I look at that in relationships too. Uh, you know, how healthy has this relationship been or how happy have I been in this relationship? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? And so I look at the last year, five years, 10 years, and look at that trend line, you know, visualize it. Is it, is it continuing to go down? Is it incrementally going down? And it, because if it is, the, the trend's going to predict the future. I, I would say that 99.9%, the trend of the past predicts the future in relationship happiness. Now, if it's neutral, if it just stays steady the whole time, it hasn't gone up or down, then you're in a space of, well, you know, can I accept this? Will it continue this way? Am I okay with that? Uh, and then, of course, if it's going up, then you feel like it's progressing. And it doesn't always have to go up. Sometimes the steady line is fine. But, boy, when it goes down, that's how I gauge and uh, you know the future of the, the happiness of the relationship. And I, and I do like to use the 50-50 rule or a 50% rule where I say if I'm uh, more than 50% unhappy, then I'm probably in an unhealthy relationship for me. Doesn't mean we can't talk about it, but I'm probably in an unhealthy relationship, and we need to address it. Yeah, okay, I love that. I love how, um, yeah, looking at the past can often predict yeah. the future, and, and certainly, you know, just getting it out and even drawing a little timeline yourself, do a timeline, and, and put your level of happiness and uh, yeah. graph it out and see where you're going. Um, why I ask that question is because I think sometimes it's so easy for us to say, "Oh, this relationship's toxic," and uh, in this day and age, you know, sort of move on, uh, abandon it. Uh, and leave it it's also very difficult for some people to do that as well i know um, that they're in difficult relationships and they find it very hard um, to abandon or or leave that relationship because you know abandonment and a lack of belongingness is is huge on the um, human psyche so um, there's two levels there but what are we sort of what are we basing our our level of happiness on with a relationship like are, are we comparing it to others and i mean how do we how do we judge mm. where, what our relationship is, what, what a healthy relationship should look like? Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, hopefully we're not comparing it to others because, as you know, I mean, you're just going to be disappointed over and over again because you're, you're only going to have a little tiny window of glimpse of what somebody else is going through. Like my girlfriend think used to think. that's what common, commonly happens, though? Uh I think it happens. I don't know if it's how common it is. I think what typically happens when someone's unhappy in a relationship, all they know is that they're unhappy in a relationship. Hmm. And they, they, they also know that the, their partner, maybe if the partner's doing some bad behavior, their partner's doing some bad behavior that makes them unhappy. Or um, there's other reasons like, uh, you know, the, the sex isn't good or, the, you know, our, we can't talk about the same thing. It's different interests. There's other, th- other things like that. But when it comes to purely unhealthy relationships, uh, I would, I always level, I mean, I always measure the level of happiness versus unhappiness. Am I happy more or am I unhappy more? So it's not much of a, um, 
logical gauge. It's a real emotional gauge. Uh, but it, you know, I mean, when you're in it all the time and you wake up and you're unhappy next to the person you're waking up to, and you're unhappy when the person comes home from work or whatever that is, th- there's that compound effect of I'm always unhappy when they're around or I'm always upset or I never want to talk to them. I never want to express myself to them because they get upset. These these little things that add up to build a compound effect that make you unhappy, that's kind of what I look at hmm. when somebody's telling me about their relationship. And I always look for people that go, you know, uh, he he provides for us, so I shouldn't be mad. You know, they immediately invalidate their own feelings and emotions and thoughts uh, what they're having because they find some justification um, that makes it okay to stay in the relationship. And you mentioned something that was very important. You know, do we just get up and abandon these relationships if they're toxic? Uh, I would absolutely say not until you have had the hardest conversations to have with your partner. And I, and I, I think it's so important to, to, if you have the thought of, you know, geez, maybe I should leave because I'm never happy to actually think about why you're unhappy. Well, my partner does this and he, and he puts me down or she always nags me about this and he always nags me about that. And then you actually speak about that. You know, when you say these things, you know, you're talking to your partner, when you say these things to me, it makes me hurt. If it makes me feel hurt, it feels like you're disrespecting me. It feels like you don't love me. And hopefully you have a partner that goes, oh my God, I don't really mean to hurt you. I didn't know that's what you felt. Uh, I would, I would, I don't want to do that to you. Let's talk about this. Let's change this. And that would be a healthy outcome that maybe could lead to better times. But you know, sometimes what happens is your partner goes, well, that's too bad, you know, because that's who I am and I'm not going to change. And you know, you married me or whatever. And, and now you know who you're dealing with and now you know if the trend line is going to continue, continue downward or not. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and going back to that earlier point, you know, definitely don't uh, look externally for comparison of how a healthy relation, relationship should be. And I, I sort of feel that that's, that's probably, uh, you know, it's just something that we can do easily. We say, this isn't working. This isn't, this isn't right. This isn't how I expect it because we're so surrounded by, you know, everyone else's relationship, social media, celebrities, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And it's easy <laughs> to pull the plug and um, yeah. know, get a divorce or whatever walk away and I think um, yeah importantly you know don't just get up and abandon relationships um, for, for that reason you know um, well, my, my, it's funny my, my, my girlfriend I was going to say my girlfriend wasn't in a relationship for many years before she met me and she was like she was ready she wanted a relationship she was single for a long time and she saw one friend get into a fantastic relationship and another friend get into a fantastic relationship and she was really starting to resent being alive because everyone else is having these grand experiences, but her. And she told me when we met, she goes, I watched these people and they seemed so happy. And like you said, social media and they're posting their pictures and she's just feeling angry Mm. and mad at God or whatever. And she just doesn't know what to do with this because she's not getting what everyone else is getting. And she watched these relationships for a couple of years. They would start to fizzle and they would start to fade away. And she didn't realize all the problems that they had. And it wasn't just all happy times because we only see one side on social media. Everyone has problems and you got to work through them and work through the challenges. And yeah. some pe- and all those friends ended up you know, breaking up. I mean, I don't know if they get into other – I think one did. But uh, that's, how, that's how people – they they con themselves. Yeah, they sabotage yeah. their their own path by looking at other people, going, "Well, they have it so great." 
No, they have their own set of problems and own, own set of things they have to deal with. Yeah, so we only see a small proportion of, of what's really going on in others' lives. It's totally so, true. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, importantly, going back to how you feel, looking within, how do you feel, what's your level of happiness, you know, emotions and all that sort of stuff to gauge um, the health of your relationship. Um, and then the next step is obviously, you know, talking about it if you're really feeling like that. So perhaps that's where we can sort of delve into some of the the tactics that we can go. Oh, tactics sound sort of a little bit um, manipulative, doesn't it? But some of the some of the um, practices or techniques we can use to sort of uh, once we've determined that yeah, this this relationship isn't going as I as I thought it'd be, as I dreamt it'd be. Um, I'm not yes. feeling that that happy in this relationship. What what next? What can we do? Yeah, so like I said, the first thing is to express what's going on. And you, I think there's a healthy way – I might overuse the word healthy, sorry. I think there's a healthy way to actually communicate to your partner um, in a way that's not intended to be offensive. So when, so when, when do we do this? Like do we just randomly walk in one day and say, hey? Uh, well, that's a good question. I think it's important to do it when it happens. So, I, I mean, there's two there's two schools of thought here. If it's something that's repeated, like over and over again, every time I do this, my partner gets upset, okay. then you should, prob- you should probably talk about it when it's not happening. So when, so when your partner does a behavior that upsets you or makes you feel unhappy, bad, that's no. the behavior that we're sort of need to address in that moment? Yeah, because you're going to f- – uh, not in the moment necessarily if it's repeated. So mm-hmm. if there's a pattern, there's a pattern of behavior, like every time um, my partner comes home and the, the house is a mess and you've just worked, you know, 14 hours trying to clean the house, and, but they said it's a mess and they don't see anything else that's clean. And that happens over and over again. And then you get in a big fight about it. It's probably, it's a, it can be brought up at that time, but tempers are flaring. How about when it's not in the, the middle of that? And when you can say, you know, when you come home and you say this and I've worked 14 hours, it really hurts I, I really feel like you don't value anything else I did in the house. And, you know, they may get upset again, and then you realize, oh, my God, this is who I'm dealing with. But uh, it, it is helpful to do it outside the moment. But I also am a proponent of doing it in the moment. Like, you need to back off every time you come home and say this. And I've worked all this time to clean the house, and now you're angry with me. And so now I'm speaking about it in the moment. But I, I think there's a productive way to do it. In the sense of every time you say that or when you do this or when you say that, it makes me feel blank. Hmm. It makes me feel disrespected. It makes me feel unloved. It makes me feel like you don't care about me. And so there's a lot of, um, we're going to, I think, maybe mention invalidation that uh, can happen in a relationship where you express something and your partner doesn't even validate what you've expressed, doesn't validate the emotions you're having. Like, oh, I feel so disrespected. You shouldn't feel disrespected because I work a hard day and all these arguments that always you know, get conjured up in these relationships. Uh, but I, I do think that the probably the best time is when you're not in the heat of it. But sometimes in the heat of it is helpful just depends on who you're dealing with. Sometimes there are people yeah. that you just you just can't win an argument at all. So that's a, that's a tricky one. It depends on the situation. So you really got to assess the, the character of the person, and only you probably well you probably know them better than than most. So right. you can really be a right. judge of that. But also maybe right. even um, you know even if if the tempers are flaring in that moment, um, just maybe address it quickly. But then sort of say, look, 
you know, I need to remove myself. Let's postpone this and, and talk about it when we're both a little bit more calm. Um, and yeah. then, you know, sort of talking about it a bit later as well. Um, so that's interesting. What, what about when you're sort of, perhaps it's not one particular behavior, perhaps you've just, you know, you've done your assessment, you're looking at it and you're going, well, look, yeah, the, our relationship has gone on a downward sort of, um, hill since, you know, last year. And it seems to be not one thing, but many things. I'm just unhappy in this relationship. Um, we're not really assessing the behaviors that annoy us in that situation. We sort of, are wanting to talk about the whole relationship. Is that yeah. the situation that you, you come across often as well? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I just, I'm just generally unhappy in the relationship. I want to do something or change something. Uh, I always like to ask the question, when did that start? You know, when did you start becoming unhappy? Hmm. And I, I always get an answer. Somebody say, well, you know, when we had our kid, uh, things changed. Or, you know, when he moved in or she moved in, things changed. So there's always a point where it started. And there's also always a point, almost always, where uh, the person who is feeling bad, who is feeling like they are unhappy in the relationship, they did some behavior that didn't address their behavior, that didn't address the subject at hand. So, you know, the first time he yelled at me uh, when I didn't clean the house, I'll use that example, um, hmm. I, decided, I decided that maybe I was wrong and uh, maybe I'll try harder next time. But that allowance, that enabling of his behavior caused that pattern to continue, which basically caused you to sabotage yourself. So I, I see that happen a lot. But I do like to look at, you know, when did it start? And then you go back in time and you go, okay, it started this. And how did you respond to that? Well, you know, I, I, I said this, but it didn't really go anywhere. And then we didn't talk about it again for another six months. So it's like you can look at these things and realize, well, there's probably more I could have said or done. And maybe we could have nipped it in the bud there. Uh, but we didn't. So, you know, there's a level of responsibility you take for that. But I think when you reach that level... Uh, that's when it's time to go, you know, and this is why I asked the question, when did it start? You know, when that thing happened in 1999 and, uh, I was upset at you, I'm still holding on to that. Hmm. That would be a hard, but great conversation to have, especially with a partner that, you know, uh, will talk to you about it. They, there aren't, there are partners out there that may not, but there are partners out there that should open their mind and say, okay, let's talk about that. Let's, let's get this out on the table. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's lots of uh, interesting and useful sort of conversation going on here about relationships, and it certainly makes you think about them, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So hopefully the, the audience listening out there, I hope you guys are enjoying this. If um, if you're in a toxic relationship, um, oh, I just hear my daughter sneezing in the background. Um, <laughs> oh, I hope she did. She's, no, she's a morning sneezer. Um, <laughs> if you're in a toxic relationship and you're finding it difficult to have those conversations because... I sort of feel that um, maybe it's twofold. Sometimes uh, in a relationship, one person thinks everything's fine, the other person maybe sees it on a whole different level, and maybe that's just based on you know what their expectation of a relationship is and and their you know emotional level as well. Um, and in that case, you know, one person perhaps um, wants to deal with it but doesn't know how to because the other person doesn't seem to be interested or you know reluctant to talk mm -hmm. about it. What do you do in those situations when you you know you try to address it, you try to have conversations, but you may not be getting back the sort of response you want? 
It's, it's such a good topic um, because it happens more often than I expected it to happen. The last few years, I've met a lot of people that are in relationships where their partner says, you know, it's your problem. Uh, everything's broken because of you and you're, you're the one who has an issue with it. Uh, you're responsible for it. You're to blame for it. There's all this, uh, energy coming at the person who's unhappy and the person who's saying all this stuff is releasing any involvement or responsibility as part of their role of being part of that problem. And when that happens, it's often in emotionally abusive relationships where they say, well, you're the one with the problem. I'm fine. You go get therapy. I don't need therapy. You need it. And when I hear that, I know there's a huge red flag in the relationship because this tells me that you don't have a partner that wants to equally work things out with you. Hmm. They are putting all the response because what this is what happens. This is part of the emotional abuse cycle. Is what they do is they put all the level or they put all the responsibility on that person so that no matter what, if they do things right, then great, everything is good. But it's really not. But if they do things bad, then they have someone to blame. Hmm. So so they take themselves out of the blame and responsibility. Uh, part of the process so that when things go bad, which they always will in an emotionally abusive relationship, you're always going to end up doing something bad that they don't like. Uh, then they can say, this is what you did to us. Well, I went to get therapy and you came back and you still caused this problem and this and that. So yeah, I see that huge red flag. I, I look at a relationship like this when there's only really one-sided relationships aren't one-sided. They are relationships. So you, you have to work together on both sides. One person has to put in, you know, it's like 50-50, but I'll say one person has to put in 100% and the other person has to put in 100% so that you can work together toward a solution. If you're not going to work together toward a solution, why be in a relationship? Hmm. So I, I look at that and go, okay, if one person's going to say, it's all you, you fix everything, then that other person's not in the relationship. They, they just aren't. They're just not equal. Yeah, okay. So this sort of moves us to the final sort of point of conversation, I suppose, around what we do when we've sort of exhausted the communication process. Maybe we've gone out and got some therapy uh, individually or together, um, but things still aren't going right. It's just perhaps not meant to be. There are so many relationships, I'm sure, out there. Um, maybe an equal amount of you know relationships that just end because they think, yeah, this isn't working, see you later. But there's probably an equal amount of relationships that are stuck together and really perhaps they shouldn't be. I know there's challenges in life and you've got to push through, you've got to talk about it. Um, but there's probably a lot of relationships out there that perhaps they should just let go and they, they find it hard to let go. How do, you, how do you let go of a relationship? I, I think the very first step before the final let go is to say, you look, if something doesn't change, there needs to be accountability. So mm -hmm. right before the let go process, let's get a last ditch effort in here and say, look, the, what you do hurts me. What you do, I feel disrespected by. I don't feel loved. I don't feel validated. Whatever words are for you or anyone listening, uh, what you're doing is, is causing this unhappiness in me. And if my partner really loves me, they're going to support my happiness, not want to make me unhappy. So the one who really loves you is going to say, I want to make you happy, uh, but it's just not working. So what happens is you, you need to say, look, the behavior that you do is causing this. So there needs to be some accountability. And accountability to, to one person is different for another. Uh, it could be like, I'm going to leave for a week. I'm going to stay with my mom for a week, my sister for a week, my brother. Um, 
and if that and if it continues, then that accountability gets more and more real until you just say, and this is what you're talking about. At what point uh, you go? I've exhausted all my efforts. I've tried everything I possibly can, and there's no way to have a win-win situation here. So yes, you get to that point where you might have to leave. You might have to separate. And when I say this, I know there are people listening right now saying, I can't do that. I've got, I can't, I don't have mm. a job or mm. we have kids. We you can't get a divorce. I'll lose the house. I'll lose, I, I won't have any place to go. And this is where really uh, what happens is you find out what's most important to you. And I'm, I'm a little biased on the self being most important. For example, when I was homeless and I finally got a job and I had this job for three weeks, I felt my creativity being stifled. I hated the job. I felt like I was going to a prison every day. I decided instead of making money and getting my wife and I out of debt, that I was going to quit because I just felt my integrity being chipped away at day after day after day. Mm. And, and I made myself the most important thing over all. So I've seen people in abusive relationships who said, I can't leave, you know, and there's other reasons you can't leave. You might be afraid of the abuser and you might have to get legal counsel and, or legal aid to help you out. But, um, there are people that choose not to leave because they're so afraid of the unknown. My mom was so afraid of the unknown for 40 years that she chose to never leave my alcoholic, abusive stepfather until he finally left one day. But she hated his guts and she did not want to leave because she didn't know what she didn't know and she'd rather stay with what she hated than than go with something she didn't realize or what could happen she was afraid of what could happen and that really stopped her so uh, to to sum that up i look at it this way figure out what's most important to you is your level of integrity level of happiness level of just being able to be yourself, your whole true self, is that important enough to get away from somebody who takes that away from you? Hmm. And then your decision will will spring up from there. Because this isn't a decision where somebody can go, oh, you just need to leave that person. You just need to leave that person because they're being so bad. Because it's so hard to do because you have so many things wrapped up. But when you really take that on, like I am important, I am worthy, I am lovable, and here I am in the opposite situation, I I need to really focus on what's important to me. And it might just, I might need to make decisions that are very hard to make. And you're going to make it through. I mean, like I said, if unless you're in a violent, dangerous situation, uh, I've never seen someone leave someone else and not make it through. So there are different factors and there are some gray areas there, but for the most part, most people are just afraid to take that step into the unknown. And that's where you just really make sure you know what's important. And I believe it's the self. Yeah, that's great. Um, there's so much, so many more complexities to this and yes. elements to it. I know. Um, but certainly, um, you know, great conversation with a surface level conversation. If you're in a unhealthy relationship or, you know, you're having issues, reach out to someone like Paul, reach out to Paul himself, um, you know, go ask some more questions and, and, you know, it's not sometimes a decision that can be made that lightly either, whether you're going to stay no. or go, but, um, or even, you know, the techniques on how to approach certain, um, situations, certain people, um, yourself even, you know, how to assess your own sort of inner, sure. inner behaviors and, and defunctions, uh, what do you call it? Not defunctions, 
dysfunctional Dys- behaviors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, look, Paul, great conversation. Yeah. Thanks for coming back for round two. Um, toxicity, toxic relationships. Loved it. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing. Honored to be here, Lee. I, I love talking about this stuff, even though it can be hard to talk about and can be hard to face in yourself. And um, I appreciate you inviting me on. Thank you again. So, guys, the uh, episode is episode 700, actually. So, check it All out right. at thehiddenwire.com. Um, there's some links for Paul in there as well, website, etc. So, uh, make sure you reach out and thank him for coming on the show. And again, uh, if you're interested, pick up a copy of his book, The Overwhelmed Brain. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to take something away, something to help you create a more meaningful life, a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Guys, if you love the content that I produce here at The Hidden Why, there are a few ways you can support me. Firstly, connect with me. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can connect with me online at thehiddenwhy.com or via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, or anything at all that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. While you're there, guys, make sure you subscribe to thehiddenwhy.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can be kept up to date with all the new episodes and happenings here at The Hidden Why. If you love what you heard in this episode, guys, or any of the others, please share the love. Share it with your family, friends, and anyone you think that might get some value. If you haven't already done so, you can also leave me a review on iTunes. Simply head over to iTunes, type in The Hidden Why, click the Ratings and Reviews button, and leave me a short message plus a one to five star rating. It helps me reach more people. Once again, guys, I appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to support my show. Until next time, you know what to do. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why Podcast. My name is Liam Mundelty. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.